Well, good morning again, everyone that's here. Good morning to everyone that's watching at home because you're snow weenies. That's fine. Um, I actually checked all back there. We have like a record attendance of people watching currently online because that did snow uh, one inch only on the grass. So, hey, welcome. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Thanks for watching. I know who you are. Anyways, um, uh, so, uh, and happy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Um, just, I'm just curious more. Who, like, who's rooting for the Rams today? I just want to know anyone that's, okay? Who's rooting for the Bengals? Who didn't know who was playing until I said that? Okay, most of you. All right, cool. And, um, and I also want to say happy Valentine's Day Eve. So, this is for some of you that forgot tomorrow's Valentine's Day. I'm warning you now, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, so be ready for that. So throughout this entire month, we're talking about relationships and how do we have relationships with no regrets. And we're mainly talking about romantic relationships, but um, you can apply what we're talking about into any relationships that you would have when it comes to your family, friends, anything like that. But we are specifically talking about romantic relationships. And today, I was, or this week, I was thinking about my childhood crushes. So some of you had if not some of you, all of you had some kind of childhood crush at some point. Maybe it was someone on TV that you watched. Maybe it was when you were a kid, uh, a band or an artist that you liked, and you kind of had a crush on them when you were a kid. And as a kid, I had three primary crushes, and this is really going to show my age. So some of you are going to be like, oh, these are mine too. And some of you are going to be like, who in the world are these people? Um, I've never seen them before, and that's because I'm old now and you're not. Um, so here are three of my childhood crushes, and if you know, you can yell it out. Here's one of them right here. Um, who's this? Stephanie Taylor, Stephanie, or Stephanie Tanner, I said the wrong thing, sorry. Um, and yeah, so I, this was the first one, this is the first time I saw someone, I was like, ooh, like, I think I like her. Like, I remember thinking that pretty clearly, the first time I remember thinking that, and then I grew up a little bit, and then I eventually moved on um, to this girl uh, named Kelly, Kelly Kapowski. What show was this from? Saved by the Bell, that's right. So I would watch it all the time, and man, Kelly Kapowski was something else, and then um, I eventually moved on for both of them because I fell in love, and I thought this would be my dream girl forever, and um, it was this girl. Uh, who is this? Tabanga. Tabanga from Boy Meets World, and um, I've, I've eventually got over her, eventually, but man, it took years because I love Tabanga. So back then, I remember having childhood crushes, and I'm sure you did too, and I thought as a, as a child that I knew what love was. I thought I understood how love worked. I thought I had it all figured out. Here's what I thought. I thought one day that I would meet this girl, and we would catch eyes from wherever we are in the room, and she would see me, and I'd see her, and immediately would be like, oh, there's something here. I'd eventually go talk to this girl, and she would think I'm the funniest person she's ever met, and I would think that she's the most beautiful person that I've ever met, and we would eventually start hanging out. We'd fall in love, and then we'd get married, and we'd have kids, and we'd live happily ever after, and we would never fight we, it would never get hard. We would always love each other. And more importantly, we would always like each other. Not just love each other, but we'd also like each other. Our love and our like for each other, every day would just get more and more and more and more until it got to a point where we were 90 years old, laying in our bed, going, this is it, honey. And like, I know, it's like Titanic. It's like, let's go. And then we would go to sleep and we would die, die peacefully and spend eternity in heaven with each other. That was my idea of love when I was a child when I was watching Boy Meets World and all those kind of shows. That's what I thought love was. As a child, that's how I looked at love. It would be easy. It would be rewarding. There would be no regrets. It would be the perfect love story. Love was so easy when we were kids, wasn't it? But now, some of us are in the dating world. It's not nearly as easy. You thought it'd be easier to find that person, but man, it is really hard to find that person. Maybe you're married 
um, and you don't have kids yet, and you're trying to figure out this new marriage that you're trying to work out, or maybe you're, you're married with kids, and you thought kids would bring you all this joy and all this love, and you're like, I love more than I've ever loved before, and then you realize, oh, it took away all of my um, ability to function and all of my sleep, and I, I'm exhausted, and I have no patience, and, and you're trying to manage all that, or, or maybe you're in a marriage that's just struggling, you're like, I didn't think it would be this hard, or maybe you're newly single, and you're like, I didn't think I'd have to worry about this every day, but here I am worrying about this. What seems so easy as kids seems a lot harder today. The idea of love with no regrets, it seems impossible. How in the world can we find that kind of love, or how can we have that kind of love in our current relationships. Last week, we talked about um, love with no regrets and how it requires sacrificial love. If you, if you missed last week, I highly recommend you listen to the podcast or the YouTube or watch the video that talked about sacrificial love because that's the love that Jesus showed us. Today, we're going to add on top of that. It's not just sacrificial love that we need, but instead, we also need personal responsibility. Love with no regrets requires personal responsibility. We don't normally think like this. We know that we have things to do. We know that we have to put in the work. We get that. But the problem is that other person makes it really hard. That's what the problem is. The other person doesn't always do their responsibility. So I'm willing to do my responsibility, but what happens when they don't do their responsibility? Then all of a sudden it's really hard to accomplish mine when they're not accomplishing theirs. But what if, and this is going to be very strange, I get it, but what if just for today, we didn't worry about them. Today, when I preach, I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you. I'm talking to you. What if just for today, next week you can go back to thinking this is my, I hope my spouse is hearing this. Next week you can do that. This week, it's just for you. What if we instead say, you know what, I need to take personal responsibility when it comes to this love. If you aren't in a relationship, what if we looked at the potential romantic relationship that we will be in one day, and go, you know what? Because I want to be in that one day, I'm going to take personal responsibility today. Personal responsibility to become the person I need to be so that when I find that person, when I meet the person I can be with, it's easy for me to live this out. So today, just humor me. I'm only talking to you. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking to your spouse who's not here. I'm not talking to the person who's next to who's on their phone checking about the Super Bowl tonight. I'm not talking to anyone else. I'm talking just to you. How are you supposed to show love? Jesus told us the, the one command that we talked about last week that we learned last week. The, the command was, love others the way that I have loved you. We talked about that last week, that sacrificial love. Paul took that command, that love others the way that, that, that I have loved you. He took that command, and when he wrote letters to churches that he planted, he would talk about how to practically live out that love. He would talk about how that love actually looks like. And there's one chapter that Paul wrote that talks about love as practical as possible. And most likely, all right, when I said that, a lot of you went, I know he's going to talk about. It's, it's the one I've always heard. Maybe it was at your wedding you, you, you had someone read this. Maybe you for sure have been to a wedding that somebody read this chapter, and it's the love chapter. And of course, what chapter is that? If you know what it is, yell it out. 1 Corinthians 13. It's the letter that Paul wrote that says, hey, if you want to show love, this is how it's going to look. When I read this, whether you're a church person or not, you know what this is, and Paul talks about this. But what I've found with 1 Corinthians 13, because we've heard it so many times, because we know it, a lot of us haven't memorized. Like, the only thing we have memorized is this. Because we've heard it so many times for a lot of us, the, 
the emphasis of what he talked about and, and how practical he talked about, it gets lost on us because we've just gotten so tired of it. But what if today we looked at what Paul said and we took it seriously? Here's how Paul describes love. You probably know it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes. And always perseveres. So today, I'm not giving you any fancy points. I am copying Paul's sermon. That's all I'm doing today. I'm going to give you Paul's points. That's all I'm going to talk about. So if we want a love with no regrets, we're going to say, I'm going to take personal responsibility to do that. What does that look like? What is love? Here's what it is. You can write all these down. Love is patient. Love is patient. I am the biggest hypocrite to talk to you about patience because I am terrible at this. Here's, um, I'm a person that likes to be on time. And I like people to be on time. And so what I do, if I have to go somewhere with my wife, I constantly rush Erica. And here's the thing. Erica's pretty good. Like, she's not that late most of the time. Um, church sometimes she is, but she gets here, so it's fine. She's taking all three kids. So at times, if I decide, hey, we need to be at a certain place at a certain time, I figure out, okay, if we need to be there at that time, we need to give at least five or ten minutes wiggle room, so we need to leave at this time. So I will let Erica know, hey, we need to leave at this time. And then I will decide within that half hour if I think she's going to be ready at that time. And a lot of times I think she's never going to be ready at that time. So I get really impatient. And here's what I'll do sometimes. And I'm not, this is something I'm working on. I'll get in the car and be like, hey, I'll meet you in the car. Because you should have been, it's my way of saying, you should have already been in it. So I'm gonna, and I sit there and wait. And then if it's really bad, as in like I have to wait a shocking one minute, I'll go back in and be like, what are we doing? And I'll go back out. Let's do something like that. What's happening? Patient. Love is patient. That means love waits. Love doesn't push the other person, but instead, instead pushes me to give you room. Love chooses to move at the other person's pace. Not my pace. At the other person's pace. It doesn't pressure them to match our pace. Instead, we either speed up or we slow down for their pace. That's what love does. If I have to slow down for your pace, I'm willing to slow down. If I have to speed up for your pace, I'm willing to speed up because love is patient. Love is patient. But this isn't natural. We don't naturally do this. You know why? Because you have your pace. And that's all you know is your pace. You can't understand their pace. You only have your pace. That's why you get so frustrated with people at the grocery store who are moving too slow in the aisle because they're not matching your pace. You have your pace. They're going slower than your pace, so you're mad. That's why you will get really upset if a car in front of you is going too slow, but if, you, if a car tails you, you'll go slower. Why? They're not matching your pace. That car in front of you, your pace is going too slow. That car behind you is going too fast. I'm going to slow down to show, teach them a lesson at one point. That's what it is. Love says, whatever your pace is, I'm going to match it. And you might be here and be like, here's the problem, Eric. I'm just, I'm just not a patient person. Then become patient. You knew, it's an exercise you work. You need to constantly try to grow in your patience. If you're not patient, patient, be more patient. Work that exercise out. Here's something I think about all the time. Whenever I'm in an, a, an, an environment, especially if kids, you know this, where I'm starting to lose my patience, I will mentally think, God is trying to grow my patience through my kids for me for the sixth time. 
That's what I'll think. My kids are not coming fast enough. This is God telling me right now, I'm stretching your patience. You need to slow down and wait, and they will eventually get here. There are times you need to stretch that page because love is patient. It's important to know that. What does Paul say? Love is kind. Kindness, especially if you're a guy like me, sometimes we think kindness is, um, is weakness. Like that's what it feels like. Being kind is kind of weak, but actually it's the opposite. Unkindness is weak. You know why? When you're unkind, that means you can't control yourself. That's a weakness. You can't control how you respond. You just respond in anger. That's weakness. You know what kindness is? It is giving someone your strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. That's what kindness is. I'm going to loan you my strength instead of saying, see, you messed up again. No, I'm going to be kind to you. Even though you messed up, I'm not going to remind you of that. I'm going to give you my strength. It's doing for others what they cannot do for themselves in that moment. And if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, isn't that what God did for you? Like, isn't that what we kind of talk about a lot? Like, wasn't he kind to you when you didn't deserve it? Paul says that while we were still sinners, what did God do? He didn't sit there and go, wow, if I knew you were going to do that, maybe I wouldn't have came and, and, and died for you. Oh, that's, no, he didn't say, while you were still sinners, while I was a still sinner, he did not put his hand up and say, I'm giving up. I can't, I can't say this person. No, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He showed kindness to us. So if we are here, we would say we're a follower of Jesus, then we also have to be kind. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or arrogant. You know what love does? It allows the other person to shine. That's what it does. It allows the other person to be in the spotlight. It's us going, you know what, here's the spotlight. I'm going to step out so that my, the other person can take center stage. It is not jealous or arrogant. Love always allows the other person to, to be in the spotlight, to celebrate their success without making it about ourselves. We don't think, oh, yeah, I know th that she did that. That was awesome. But, but you should have heard what I did. I did blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm a person that I feel like I'm fairly hypersensitive to this when it comes to other people. I'll meet pastors, and I will ask them, hey, how's church going? How's your church going? And I ask them for two reasons. One, because I, I genuinely want to know. I want to know how church is going. I want to know if I can pray for them. I want to know if they're going through anything hard. I'll, I'll ask them. And, and two, I'm being polite. That's what you do when you see somebody, you ask them about them. And I know I have pastor friends that I will ask them, hey, how are things going? They'll tell me, tell me, tell me. And then I'll just kind of wait, like, you want to ask me anything? They're like, okay, so I'm going to go now. It's like, they'll never ask. I don't, I have pastor friends, I don't think they know I'm a pastor, because they never asked me about church. They never asked me what I do. They never asked. So that's not what we do, right? That's not love. Love is not jealous or arrogant. It says, I'm going to put somebody else in the spotlight. I have friends who always want to be the center of attention, that will never let anyone else, once someone comes, they, they're going to be a story topic. They're going to jump in there. Some of us have a hard time with this, but the reason why a lot of us can have a hard time getting out of the spotlight for somebody else is because some of us don't feel good about ourselves. So it's really hard to let anyone else feel good about themselves without us getting jealous of the attention. But that's not what love does. Love steps aside and lets the other person shine. If we say we're a follower of Jesus, look at his example. Jesus being God himself, came to this earth, and what did he do? Did he ever at any point play the God card? Did he ever do that? The only person in the history of this world that could have played it was Jesus, and he never played it. If anyone had the right to do it, it was him. 
but he didn't do it. He did not demand to be treated the way he deserved to be treated. He never did that. That's what we're called to do. Is that us? Do you give up the credit that you think you deserve? Do you give up the attention that you feel like belongs to you? So listen, husbands, do you brag publicly about your wife? Do you do that? Or whenever someone starts talking, commenting, you're like, nah, nah, yeah, I know she does that, but you should hear this. Wives, do you publicly celebrate and talk about your husband? Do you publicly brag about him? Do you add when someone talks about it, or do you subtract it? And I've heard this before. I've, I've heard this from a lot of couples. Say, yeah, but I just don't want them to get a big head about themselves. Listen, that's not your job. I have found that life is really good at taking that big head out of somebody. So they need you, their spouse, to be on their side, to bring them up, to boost them up, because eventually life is going to take them down. You need to celebrate them. Love is not jealous or arrogant. So when you see an opportunity, you step aside, let the other person get in the spotlight. You take that every time. What is love? Love is honoring. Most of us would hear this and a lot of us might think, okay, I don't really fully know what that means in my relationship. What does it mean to honor? But I have found that at the heart of every successful relationship is honor. At the heart of it. You know what honor is? It's valuing others above yourself. You want to show honor to someone. You treat them like they are more important than you are. They are not more valuable than you, but you treat them like they are. That's called honoring. That's honor. Jesus honored you. Are we more valuable than Jesus? Of course we aren't. But Jesus gave up his life for you. He honored you. And this is what love does. It honors. And you all know how to do this. I'll, I'll give you an example. Think of a celebrity that you would love to meet. Whoever that is. Maybe it's a sports star. Maybe it's a musician. Think of that one celebrity that's like your person. That Man, if I would love to meet this person, become friends with this person. Mine is a guy named Dave Grohl. I've told a story a lot of me being Dave Grohl. I'm not going to tell it again. Relax. I will one day. Um, I would love to get dinner with Dave Grohl. He's drummer of Nirvana, singer of Foo Fighters. He's my guy. And we are best friends because I met him at the bathroom of Backstage Metallica. But besides that, think of that person. Imagine if whoever that person is that you're going to meet, that celebrity, someone came to you and said, hey, I know him. I know her. So I could set up dinner, and you two can just have dinner, just you two. And you guys can hang out and talk about whatever you want. You're like, really? Imagine going to that dinner. What would you do? You'd prepare. You wouldn't be late. You'd get there on time, if not early. You would dress nice. When you got there, you would never talk about yourself because you're with a celebrity. You want to hear about them. Like, hey, tell me the story of this. Hey, tell me when you recorded this. Hey, talk about if that person was late, you wouldn't even care. You're like, no, it's, it's all right that you're late. It's an honor for me to be here with you. That's what you would do. That is what honor is. It's honor. We are called to honor our significant other to put value on them, to value them more than we value ourselves. I'm going to say one more thing, and I'll move to the next thing. And I'm going to say this as seriously as I possibly can. You deserve honor. We all do. You deserve it. You need to demand it. And if you don't get it, you need to run. I'm not saying I'm advocating for divorce. I'm not saying that you should run from a situation you're not willing to put the work in. Here's what I'm saying. If you're dating somebody right now, you're not married, and they don't honor you, 
I would never tell this to most teenagers, but I would tell you right now. Pull your phone out and break up with them today, right now. Do it over text. They don't deserve anything else. Do it over text. If they don't honor you, do that. Listen, you deserve honor. If you're in a relationship, a marriage relationship, you need to demand it. You need to. Because here's what I found. The longer you are dishonored, the more dishonorable you think you are. You deserve honor. Demand it. You have value. Demand it. Do not dishonor another person. Love is honoring. What else is love? Love is selfless. It isn't selfish. It is selfless. It puts the needs and interests of others first. Um, There are two things that I really, really, really care about that my wife really, really, really does not care about. Two things. Football and comic book movies. That's the two things. I talk to my wife about football a lot, and I want to watch comic movies with her. And I'm telling you, when I say she doesn't care, she does not care at all about either of these things. But let me tell you what she does. When a Ravens game happens and it's over, I talk to her about it, she does something shocking. She listens to it. She knows that I care about it. And even though she could care less about the Ravens, she knows I do, so she listens when I talk about it. She hates comic book movies. Guess what she watches with me? Comic book movies. She watches all the shows at Disney+. Plus. You know why? That's called selfless. She doesn't like it. She hates it. It's a waste of time for her. But she does it because she knows I like it. That's called being selfless. That's what we're called to do. Love is selfless. Whenever you fight in a relationship, you both actually want the same thing. That's what's amazing about it. Whenever you're in a relationship and you're fighting, and you guys are having disagreements, you both want the same thing. Here's what you want. Your way. You both want it. You both want your way. In fact, next time you fight, if you acknowledge it, it will change the fight. If in the middle of the fight you went, oh, 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 here's the problem. I'm not getting my way, and you're not getting your way. That's the problem. That's a great starting point because you realize, oh, this is about me right now, and you're making it about you. How can we talk about this and navigate this so that we can find a compromise? Because love is selfless. We are naturally selfish. But following Jesus starts to change us to be more like him, to be more selfless. Love is selfless. Love is not easily angered. I love that Paul put the word easily, that we're not easily angered because all of us get angry. All of us do that. And anger in and of itself is not a sin. But love doesn't get angry easily. Love listens. Love absorbs. Sometimes you keep it in. You keep in that anger instead of just letting it out without control and saying something that you didn't mean to say, and then all of a sudden the next day you apologize, but that thing's already been said. The damage has already been done. It's hard to get that back once it's been out. It's like, I'm sorry, I get it. It still hurts. Love does not do that because love is not easily angered. When you aren't easily angered, you respond, you don't react. It's a difference. You respond, you don't react. React is just whatever naturally comes out. My natural feelings, my natural tendency, I'm just going to let it out in an unfiltered way, and whatever it does, if it burns everything in the ground, that's what it's going to do because I'm reacting to a situation. That's not what love does. Love takes the time to correctly respond. So instead of reacting, you wait, you absorb it, and you respond appropriately. Love is not easily angered. And I get it. He pushes your buttons. I get it. She pushes your buttons. I get it. Here's the thing. Those are your buttons. It's not their buttons. That's a you issue. It's not a them issue. 
Those are your buttons that, they, buttons that they are pushing. It's not because that other person keeps doing stuff. It's because you are easily angered. You need to learn how to control it, how to absorb it, how to respond and not react. So let me clue you in on something. No one makes you angry. All they do is let the anger out of you. That's what they do. They're not making you angry. They are helping you get rid of it, releasing it. They're just bringing out that anger that you already have inside of you. That's a you issue. If you're easily angered, it's something in you. It's not their fault. It's you. It's something we need to work on. Love is not easily angered. Love, what does Paul say next? Not a scorekeeper. It's not what love is. Love doesn't have a file drawer full of all the things that the other person has done wrong. So when you do it, it's like, oh, you did that again? Well, let me see. You've done that about 10 times already because I have this filed away because I know exactly all the things you've done wrong. Love does not do that. It's not a scorekeeper. Here's what I found with people who are scorekeepers. They rarely keep score on themselves. They only keep score on you. They don't keep their score. They only keep your score. And let me ask you a question. This is going to sound like it's a random question, but I'm honestly asking you this question. Are you a person that enjoys catching the other person messing up? Seriously, ask yourself that question. Do you kind of like, you don't like it, but you kind of enjoy having that in your pocket. You kind of enjoy, I, I don't want to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up. You don't, you don't enjoy it, but you kind of still enjoy it at the same time. If some of you are honest, you'd be like, yeah, I kind of do. Here's what I would say to you. Stop doing that. Don't do that. Why would we keep score? Especially if you say you're not a follower, that, that you're a follower of Jesus, you need to extra stop doing that. Because God did that to you. He has a, a drawer a mile long on all the things that you've done wrong, and he never brings it up. Yet we think that we can follow, oh, you did that? Yeah, well, I remember you did that last week too. You did that the week before. Yeah, you always do that because I'm always keeping score. When we do that, we accept the forgiveness of our creator, of our God, who has a, so much stuff on you and, and decides to forget it. And we instead go to our, the person that we love and say, oh, you did all this other stuff. We won't forgive them. We accept that forgiveness. That makes you a hypocrite. Love is not a scorekeeper. Instead, you need to forgive and you need to pretend to forget. That's what we need to do. I mean, and what's the alternative here? That you're right? Great. You're always right. Yeah, he probably did do all that stuff. Yeah, she probably did do all that stuff. Yeah, you're really right. That's fine. You know you can be right and no one wants to be around you, right? You understand that's possible. That, yeah, you can be fully right. You can consistently always bring up stuff that they do wrong, and you're 100% right on it. Get it? Congratulations. You're right. But now no one wants to be around you because all they're reminded of is all the things that they've done wrong that they thought you forgave them for that you actually never did. Love is not a scorekeeper. It doesn't keep score. And then Paul closes with four things really quick. He says, protecting, trusting, hopeful, and persevering. What is love? Love always protects. It keeps bad things out of a relationship. If you are sneaking in bad things that will undermine and hurt your relationship, you are not protecting the relationship. If you're sneaking in financial debt, if you're sneaking in crippling anxiety, if you're sneaking in a porn addiction, if you're sneaking in substance abuse, you are not protecting the relationship. If you sneak it in, that's not what you're doing. It always protects. It always trusts. That means love chooses to see the best. We always say things like, trust is earned. No, it's not. Trust is given. Distrust is earned. Trust is given. Give your spouse or the person you want to date trust. You need to trust them. Always trust. It's a choice that you make. Love chooses to see the best. Love always hopes. Love chooses to believe the best. You find the most generous explanation for that other person, and you believe it. And then love always perseveres. That means you keep believing. Love keeps believing and keeps seeing the best over and over 
and over and over. So what is love? Let me give you a summary. Here's the summary. Love is patient, kind, not jealous, not arrogant, honoring, selfless, not easily angered, not a scorekeeper, protecting, trusting, hopeful, persevering. That means that we, as followers of Jesus, are called to be patient, kind, not jealous, not arrogant, honoring, selfless, not easily angered, not a scorekeeper, protecting, trusting, hopeful, persevering. And if you're like me, you see that list and go, crap. There's a lot of things on there. Some of you are looking at it and go, I think I do all that stuff. That's fine. You're just a liar. You can be a liar. But you're like me. I look at this and go, C minus, if I'm being generous, maybe worse. Like, I'm struck. Like, how are any of us called to do that? How can any of us do that? We, I can't do that. And I get it. I, I understand what you're saying. Here's what I found, though. Aren't you hoping the person that you married or the person you're going to marry one day is all of that? Like, look at that list. You tell me the things that you're like, yeah, they don't need to be that. Yeah, they don't need to be patient. I'm fine if you're not patient. Yeah, they don't need to be kind. Yeah, no, they're jealous. That's fine. I want them to be arrogant. That's for sure. Um, I don't want them to honor me. Of course, I don't want that. No, I want them to be selfish. That's fine. I don't care. No, no, they can do all this stuff, but I'm, as, if they can be angry pretty quickly. That's fine with me. No, I want them to keep score of everything I've done wrong. No, oh, I don't want them to protect anything. I don't want them to trust. I don't want them to hope. I don't want them to persevere. What on that list would you take off for your spouse? Nothing. You want your spouse to do all that stuff, but yet we think, well, I can't do it so I'm not gonna. That's not how we act. That's not as followers of Jesus who accepts all of this from Christ. That is not how we act. That is why following Jesus is so crucial. Jesus tells us to follow him. Where are we going? To look like that. It's what we're going to look like. We keep growing and learning how to surrender more of ourselves so that we can look more like him, so we can learn to have love with no regrets that models what Jesus did. Listen, I get it, this list is hard. It's a lot of work. And my guess is, you didn't think it would be this much work in your relationships. I get it. I understand it completely. When we thought about love as a kid, we didn't think it would take all of this work, all of this effort. But here's why Paul, I think, continues in chapter 13, with something that seems strange at first, but I think it's important for us to know. Verse 11, here's what he says. When I was a child... I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. You know what Paul is saying? Grow up. That, that love you thought about as a kid isn't real. That's not what love is. Love is work. Love is constantly putting the other person first. Love is not thinking, well, I hope my spouse does that, but I'm not willing to do that. Love says, no, I'm going to take personal responsibility no matter what they do, no matter what that person does, I'm going to take personal responsibility to become the person Jesus is calling me to be because he modeled it and he saved me. We aren't children anymore. So let's not act like children anymore. We understand that we are called to love. That is what love is. It is putting in the work and putting others first. Love with no regrets requires personal responsibility. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for modeling perfect love to us by the way you came and died for us. That even though we didn't deserve it, you put us first 
by sacrificing yourself for us. And now you invite us into a relationship with you that shows that kind of radical love to everyone. You encourage us and you invite us when it comes to our spouse, when it comes to our family, to our friends, to show sacrificial love, to take personal responsibility. You got it today. I pray for the people in this room, whether they're married, dating, single, that you remind them of what love looks like. Whatever those things on the list that we struggle with, I pray that you give them one or two things that, that we can start working on today to model the love that you showed us so that we can show it to everyone else. Thank you for being a God that is love. Help us to love others. In your son's name, amen. Let's close today with this closing song. Let's stand and sing.